up here from we need a couple more seats as well there's your spares one Yep. Um, no, they've got plenty. Yeah, they've got plenty of spares. Yeah. Has everyone got one of those sheets? <coughs> I'll take the silence as yes. Uh, but um, there's just some just up here on, on the edge of the table here if you need them as well. Okay, so welcome to uh, the three-week series we're doing called Responding to Jesus. And um, basically, the, the title of the series is what it's all about. Um, as Baptists, um, we really are strong believers in the need for people to personally process who Jesus is and personally respond to him. Um, conversion is something we are passionate about and, and also that, that people, um, that's why we're passionate about believers' baptism as well, that, that um, we, we believe that the best way to get baptised is, is the person's choice. So it's in, our, it's in our framework of how we think that someone should process Jesus and um, when, they, when they are able to um, actually decide where they stand. And we're going to, um, in these three weeks, look at three truths that um, basically all followers of Jesus have to accept. In, in other words, they're foundational. To reject one of these truths is to kind of reject a key foundational thing of it all. So, and we're going to be looking at the first truth of those um, in this in this session. So, um, if you keep those sheets in front of you, I'll refer to them at different points. Um, but just, um, w w why don't we make a start? So today's um, uh, session is all about our purpose, and we're going to explore that, and then we're going to explore the first um, truth that we need to respond to, um, and we'll see um, w where we end up. Okay, so. The first chapter of the Bible, in the, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, outlines our purpose. It outlines why we were created. Um, so after there's this account of God creating a whole bunch of things, the author turns his attention to us, the creation of human beings. And here is what it says about us. So if you look down in the sheets in front of you, Genesis 1, chapter verses 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that it may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And just from that verse, we see two things in our purpose. Um, one of them we'll unpack a bit, and it says we're made in the image of God. We are the only creatures on earth made in the image of God. And the other thing is, and sometimes we, we don't even, we forget this as Christians, is God made us to rule. Part of our, central to our purpose is to rule the world with him. Um, and so humans were given this, we give it the fancy term we give it is this thing called dominion. No other creature, and there are other intelligent creatures, dolphins are intelligent, chimps are intelligent, we know this, but no other creature has the capacity to cultivate and care for the planet. No other creature can do that. No other creature can cultivate and care and organize and create societies like humans. Um, but even, and so God has given that in our makeup that we are given dominion. But the image of God part is this, 
that we weren't just to rule it however we wanted, we were meant to rule it in the image of God. In other words, we were meant to be an image of His character, His love, His goodness in the way that we ruled. So it's, that's what it means, a big part of what it means to be made in the image of God. We're meant to reflect His character into the world in the way we rule it. We're meant to reflect His kindness into the world. We're meant to reflect His justice into the world, His love into the world. And so the picture we get of His purpose for us looks something like this. So if you look at the illustration in front of you with the big crown and the little crown. So the big crown, I'm just going to read the explanation points right point by point and, read, and I'd ask you to read them with me. So the, so the God is our king, represented by the big crown. And humans are represented by the little crown. God created us to look after his world in a way that reflects his ways and characters. So the arrows represents God's character and his ways flowing through us into the world. And this arrangement clearly only works if humans trust God over themselves. Is that obvious to see? If, it, if the arrangement is that we're entrusted to image his character into the world, then this only works if we trust God um, over ourselves. And the last point there is, um, the, sorry, the next point there is being in this arrangement with God naturally leads to humans being in loving relationship with God and with each other. And I've got two scriptures there I want to refer to um, to help make that point. So Exodus 34 verse 6 the reason this is so important, and I only realized this recently, this is the first verse in the Bible where God describes himself. So this is the, all, uh, that God speaks in the Bible before this. Other people write things about God maybe before this, but this is the first time God as a speaking voice describes himself. And this is God's first description of himself. In other words, and this is, by the way, the most quoted verse in the Bible. In other words, has the most many references to it by other parts of the Bible. And so this is how God describes himself. And he parts, so Exodus 34 verse 6, follow me with it. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The first time God describes himself, he says, this is who I am. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious, I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. Isn't that wonderful? That's a beautiful thing. And, and so, so obviously if we're reflecting God's character into the world, that'll equal um, God loving us. Um, and Jesus himself, who we'll talk about later in the series, Jesus himself confirms the two greatest commandments in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 39. Um, so... Verse 36 to 39, Jesus having a conversation with someone and says, Teacher, talking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you can clearly see just from those two scriptures that if we are imaging God's character into the world, if we are ruling under his leadership, then that will equal human beings loving each other and us loving God and God loving us. Because that's core to the plan of everything, right? So, if you just want to read the next bit with me. So we know three things about our purpose as the Bible defines it. We were created to rule with godly character, 
love God and love each other and trust God over ourselves. And the big summary statement that's super important is the next one. So in the ideal order of things, God judges what is good. Humans trust and follow him and we enjoy love, peace and prosperity as a result. But if I read that to you, I'll read it again. God judges what is good. Humans trust and follow him and we enjoy love, peace and prosperity as a result. Which makes us have to ask, is this the way the world is? Did I just describe the world to you? Did I just describe, is when you look around Sinclair and the wider world, we see a world where God judges what is good. Humans just trust and follow him and we enjoy love, peace and prosperity as a result. I'm going to go, that's not what I see when I look around the world to me. Um, so what went wrong? What went wrong? Why, if this is our purpose as the Bible defines it, why are we so far from that? And the Adam and Eve narrative, which is about the first humans, um, it actually explains what has happened to take us away from our purpose. And so we're going to explore that. Um, the first humans, and before we read it, just I'll set it up a bit. So the first humans, Adam and Eve, were given a command to not eat from a tree. And the tree is given this really powerful symbolic name, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, to eat from this tree is to take the place of me. In other words, you want to take from this fruit means you have decided that you should judge what is good and evil instead of me. And so it's this really symbolic thing. So he puts them next to this tree and he says, if you take from that tree, you'll die. And it was a command that had a challenge and that challenge was to simply trust God. All they have to do is trust God. He knows what he's doing. You don't reach for the fruit. That's not your place. It's not your place to go there. Um, and so we'll read what happens with that temptation in front of them. So it talks about this, this, this enemy of God, this serpent figure. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Now the serpent, read along with me. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, Oh, no, we, we may eat from the trees in the garden, um, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, we'll only unpack this to the level of those key points you can read along with me. So, this, let's read those key points. The serpent figure caused Eve to dwell on the idea that maybe God can't be trusted, and that he's holding things back from her. That's, that's the heart of this, that... The enemy said something that said, maybe God is holding something back from you in this situation. And in verse 6, Eve takes the place of God, deciding for herself that the fruit is good to eat. So, so there's been, do you remember our purpose? Okay, this is a clear stepping outside of our purpose. Eve is now trusting herself over God and deciding what is good instead of God. And, and the last one is Adam and Eve choose to defy God's purpose for them. They trust themselves over God. 
And, and what we read next is the consequences. And I hope you, all of us can recognise some of these consequences when human beings all act as their own gods. So let's read some of the consequences. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, this is bad, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? This, the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And even though it's a bit comical, it's just so tragic because now they're a million miles away from where they started. If we read the key points, they make a, hopefully they make a ton of sense. Instead of loving God and loving each other, Adam and Eve feel shame before each other and shame before God. You see how it's all, it's all fallen in on itself. Instead of loving each other, they turn on each other. And they are no longer imaging God's character and ways into the world. And we know that this has continued to this day. Human beings continually... Um, hold on a sec, my... Tablet's just giving me some issues. Okay. Continue to fail to love God and love others and fail to rule over the earth in a way that images the Creator purely. Um, even, even a climate change denier would not say that humans have done a good job of cultivating and caring for this planet in a way that is just for everyone. That we have failed to image God's character into the world. And that, and we have failed to love each other as God has loved us. And so, um, read the, if you read those next three points with me, our purpose has been distorted. Instead of ruling with godly character, we rule the world with flawed character. Instead of loving God and loving each other, we now experience shame and mistrust. And instead of trusting God over ourselves, we trust ourselves over God. And if you want two kind of juxtaposed statements, two statements that give you the full picture of what has happened. Let's read these two statements one after the other. So in the, in the ideal order of things, God judges what is good, humans trust him, and we enjoy love, peace and prosperity as a result. In the distorted order of things, we stop trusting God and decide what is good in our own eyes, which leads to shame, conflict and chaos. And if you go to the illustration there with the mountain and the crown and the people at the bottom, it says here, the heart attitude that places ourselves over God is called sin. And because of sin, we cannot get back to our purpose. So because humans cannot rise above that, we cannot help but put ourselves first. We cannot help but trust ourselves over God. And then we, we cannot get back to the relationship. Like God is up, it's like, it's like a mountain we can't climb. We're at the bottom and the way we, things were is at the top. And because of this thing called sin, the second point, we are separated from God and under his judgment. And separation from God is ultimately eternal death. And what did God say to Adam and Eve? If you go in that direction, you 
will die. That's what he said. And then we've got two verses that just make that clear in Hebrews chapter 9 in the second part of verse 27. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death and death is eternal separation from God. But to kind of close this first session, um, it's a three-week thing for a reason. And many people in this room, oh, in this room, in that room, that's a room, and any people under the shelter there, um, they know that this is not where the story ends. If you read along with me, this is not where the story ends. In His love, God provides a way for us to return to our place in relationship with Him as the King whom we love and trust. And this brings up a crucial question before we go any further. And, I, and this is the question I would love everyone to zone in on and ask themselves. If you could be completely forgiven by God, and the trade-off was you had to acknowledge that He was the King of your life, would you even take that forgiveness? If, so if God provided a way, if you could be completely forgiven by God, and the trade-off was He was the King, would you take that forgiveness? Because that's what the story, that's where the story is going. God is going to make a way, but it's a way back to something. It's not just forgiveness for the sake of forgiveness. He's forgiving you so that he can take you back to what the way things were. But the way things were is you are not the king or the queen if you're a woman. Okay? That's the way things were. And so the truth that all Christians must accept, number one, is God is the king. There is no... There is not, there, this, this journey stops here if you are not interested in God being the king. If you think the distorted way is better, then keep the crown in your head because that, this journey won't work for you. But it, Jesus came to save you back into a reality where he's the king. And so that's what we're going to be discussing in the next few weeks. So I've got three words there just for your own discernment. It says God is the king and, it, and it's got reject, resist or receive. And I've, obviously it's quite easy to say all of us would be somewhere in those three words. Some people here might reject that. No, nope, God is not the king. I am the king. And some people would be in a zone of resistance going, oh, you know, like that's a pretty hard cost. I don't know if I'd want to pay that. And other people have received it or are ready to receive it. But the way, the image that's helpful is that what if there's this whole journey God has for you and you're wearing a crown and God meets you on the path and he says, oh, no, you can come the rest of the way, but you just need to be willing to take that crown off your head and leave it at my feet. And then we can keep walking. So um, we're going to look at two more truths, but numero uno, before we even discuss Jesus, before we even get into that, is that this is about getting back to the relationship of us living under God and imaging Him into the world and trusting Him. And that's what He wants to forgive us and bring us back to. So He wants to bring us back to the top of the mountain, but we have to ask ourselves if we want to go there. Is God the King? What does your heart say? Is God the King? Or are you the King? And that's where we need to start. Allow me to pray. And then um, next week we'll look at the next truth that uh, Christians need to accept. If you feel someone might benefit from hearing these messages, you want to share them. Uh, Peter, our wonderful filmographer there, you know, tell you what you... Don't tell them what we pay you, Pete, please. Um, if um, He's going to be putting these up on YouTube for us. 
Um, and if you would just, uh, so if you want to refer or re-listen to them, um, you can keep the handouts, that's fine. Um, and there's some spares if you want to hand them on as well. Why don't I just pray um, and ask you to join me. And then um, Jess has one more song, is that right? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you are a God who loves us. And even though we turned our backs on you, that you have actually um, not given up on us. And we're going to learn more about what that means and what that looks like. But I just pray, Lord, that um, you would help us realize that you are a much better king than we could ever be. That you are a much better master of our lives than we could ever be. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with a desire for you to be the king. With a desire to trust you in all things so that we can be wonderful images of you in this world and call others to realize you're the king as well. And God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jess. We're going to finish with nothing but the blood.